is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit sovereigninsurance.ca to learn more. Diversify. Don't just put all your eggs in one export market. Think about what other export markets you could do well at, and EDC will help you figure that out. With Export Development Canada, doing business abroad doesn't need to be risky. We take on the risks so you can think bigger and grow confidently. EDC, take on the world. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Managing Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have Suzanne Grant, CEO of the Canadian Advanced Technology Alliance on the Thrive Podcast today. Suzanne is a Canadian veteran with a military communications, engineering, and intelligence background. She has served mission-driven nonprofits on boards and within think tanks, advisories, and governance committees, and has decades of entrepreneurial experience. Her diverse business trajectory includes founding a digital publishing and strategic communications agency in the frontier market of Qatar. She later co-founded an award-winning state-of-the-art brain-machine interface med tech company, which developed a retina implant to return sight to blind people. Her multiple awards include the Wise 50 Over 50, Female Founder, Local Hero, the Startup Canada Quebec and National Innovation Awards, and the Canadian National winner of Copenhagen's Creative Business Cup Global Award Series. She was cited as Entrepreneur to Watch in 2019 by Success Insights. Today, Suzanne applies her mantras, the art of the possible and solve for human, to the Canadian Advanced Technology Alliance's vision of Canada as an innovative growth nation serving homegrown small and medium tech companies. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Hi, Kayla. It's great to be here. Um, So to kind of kick things off, what is your story? What uh, can we sort of impart with our listeners in terms of uh, your background? I've had a a relatively windy, curvy background. 
I've started and stopped and started and stopped multiple times. So, you know, when we when we think about ourselves as do we identify with the role that we're in, I have gone right down to first principles and said, okay, I'm in a completely new role. So I started my career in the Canadian Forces as a, an engineering officer. I worked in both the Air Force and the Army, and I worked with amazing people and got such a great start on the leadership side of things. And really knew that I was destined to be an entrepreneur. I'd done some side projects, and and I was looking for that. And in the 90s, it was hard to find your way towards entrepreneurship. So I went back to school, to community college. And that sense of adventure for my family when I was in that transition, didn't have any ties to anything, decided to follow the sun and move to the Middle East. And I thought I would just go get a job there. And um, that wasn't in the cards. My vision of bringing technology and entrepreneurship together wasn't going to happen in Qatar in in the late 90s. Uh, So I just jumped in and and started some businesses over there on my own. I came back to Canada in 2020 or 2010. And... again, started over, you know, the last 14 years of my life in the Middle East, I was unknown here. In fact, when I was looking for work, uh, people thought I was a new Canadian and told me I didn't have a North American experience. So I couldn't get a job. Wow. (laughs) So you built one yourself? Well, I mean, I've always been advisor and and I I tried a number of things, got involved with Startup Canada in, in 2012, uh, in early days. And, um, in 2015, I started a med tech company, uh, which is essentially a, a state-of-the-art uh, brain machine interface. And it was just a, a wonderfully beautiful experience. It stretched me in so many ways. And, and I was in a place that I never envisioned I would ever be. And um, I wrapped that up uh, about a year ago and found myself uh, volunteering again um, at, at Canadian Advanced Technology Alliance. And then sadly, the CEO passed away suddenly and they were there was a gap in their leadership and they invited me in to uh, fill in. So that's how I got to CATA. Incredible. So your trajectory, I'm so curious to get into all of these different junctures of, of, of all of your uh, sort of career milestones. Uh, but if we pull back to the, your initial comment, so moving to the Middle East um, initially, what was your initial pull there? Um, why, why make that choice then? I was living in Calgary and I loved it. It was a great city. Just moved there. I had a, li- had a baby girl. My son was in uh, primary or kindergarten. Uh, Tori was like three months old. And my husband came home and said, you know, there's this job in the Middle East. So I I didn't have, I wasn't tied to any commitments in Canada at that time. And I found Calgary very cold. There there weren't (laughs) summers there. And I was really enticed by the opportunity to live abroad and follow the sun and travel. Mm. So that was Mm -hmm. the main, that was my main um, motivation. But of course, I'm a career woman. So when I actually got there on the ground and found out, what the job situation was like in 1997, um, it was pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. I imagine. So as you uh, developed your business there and and um, sort of inculcated yourself, I imagine culturally that was a challenge um, to come as a Canadian woman yes. into this international context. How was that? Yes. Uh, well, you know, if I go back to was saying earlier about starting from zero. So I had built up this phenomenal career and I was known for uh, in some levels as a superstar, they were fast tracking me mm. to general. Uh, you know, when I left the the Air Force, that's 
they said, what are you doing? You're like on this fast track path. So I, I, I thought I was like, uh, you know, I had something going on. And then when I arrived there, I was just like, I had no, no background, no context, no references, no history, no reputation. I was just a Canadian woman. And so, and you know, obviously I wasn't going to be in the military in the Middle East. So I had to just start from the very beginning and build myself up and, and figure out where the opportunities were and, and, and how I could make a new career for myself there in those conditions. It must be a very humbling experience overall to have that um, kind of fall from, from the grace a little I, bit. I've yeah. done it. And I at the and same, then you did it again. And the same thing back. happened when I came back mm-hmm. to Canada. I was seeing, you know, the last 14 years of my career didn't count. I did phenomenal mm-hmm. things with multinational companies. But, you know, we don't know you. Who are you? You don't have a network, a business network here. It's like it didn't happen. And... Mm-hmm. You know, when people say, oh, you know, Qatar, what is that? And actually, it was a, you know, a thriving cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people here assume that, you know, it was maybe not not very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. The business I did there was exceptionally sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, starting over is, is challenging. And at the same time, it's a beautiful opportunity to reflect and challenge yourself in a very different kind of level. Like, who, who are you At really? At your core, yeah. Right? Like, as a career woman, you know, you attach a lot to your title. So who are you really? And, you know, and then, then you get to understand that, you know, your capital really is your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily your title or what people know of you. Yeah, no, I love, your capital is your experience. So when you transitioned back to coming to Canada, what did you feel you learned um, in those number of years in Qatar? What, what were you bringing back to a Canadian context? International insight. So, um, you know, one of, one of the very interesting projects that we did is we helped Accenture launch in the Middle East. And this was a multinational company. We dealt virtually with people all around the world. And then when they came physically to do their launch in Qatar, you know, I sat around a table with people who'd never met before physically, right? And they're like eight, nine people. And I had the privilege of, of explaining to them, you know, the difference in, 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 culture and behavior of this place and how you do business here. So that mindset, that culture and the culture of business is different in every country. It's different in every city, actually. I think that was a real gift. Yeah, one of them. And, and oh my goodness, deal making. You know, in the Middle East, deal making. I, so my company, we, it, was a, it was a boutique strategic communications agency main funding came through experiential marketing. I had a publishing house. I did digital, pioneered digital communications. But that type of business means a lot of deals. So $3 million revenue a year, some of those deals would be like a million and another one, and another's of them would be 400. So every, in the Middle East, you negotiate everything. So my negotiation skills were really up there. Something you learn there as well is the diplomacy side of things um you know the culture is just you know there's no you know you don't there's this thing called saving face so you don't make people feel embarrassed so if you have to negotiate through something challenging you have to find a way of doing it where everybody's you know feelings are intact and nobody feels insulted so i, I learned a lot about that mm-hmm. so how do you how do you deal with people that you actually want to say like get lost mm-hmm. 
How do you say that very nicely? How do you fire a client very nicely? Like all of these very human things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and from an international context, it sort of helps you reflect on a Canadian one through a comparative exercise that you might not have that same appreciation or understanding of the Canadian context without that international like comparison. When I first moved there, you know, my impression was, oh, wow, I have a lot to teach this place. And then mm. after a while, I figured out that, oh, wow, you know, Canada actually has a lot to learn mm. the way we do business uh, from, from, from others. And I think just learning from others is amazing. I believe my tolerance to difference expanded phenomenally. And in terms of lessons that you could share um, for other women entrepreneurs in, in a Canadian context, what lessons have you learned along that path that they could sort of replicate without going down this, right. this specific path so that you went down? Right. So if, we, so if we think about starting with that blank slate and jumping into something completely new, this is often daunting, and I've experienced... Um, Usually I've just like pushed through. Everything was sort of easy for me. I, I, I didn't have self-doubt. Somehow I had this incredible self-confidence. And I think we all have our limits to that self-confidence. And there are things that can rock it. And I, I found it harder coming back into Canada and getting started than, than, than going over there. And I had some own limiting self-doubt. And... I, I just didn't know where to start, and I think these types of fears can hold us back. And the big lesson that I had out of, out of that is when it comes to the intersection of confidence and fear, you know, what can get us past that is purpose. So, you know, not to say that, you know, go and follow your passion and everything will be okay, but if you can align your life's purpose or your project purpose with passion that will help to push through fear and um i think we need to when we hit those 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 places we need to find people we need to surround ourselves with people who believe in us mm. i think the power of that is so high and it's and and i think as individuals like share some love if you see somebody who's got a spark in front of you or around you and they're they're doing something really challenging, like just mm. give them credit for that and say, you know, here's how you can do it or here's how I can help or good for you mm -hmm. for doing the hard work. Let's appreciate that boldness. Agreed. And, and sometimes the women that we see who are most confident in the industry or as entrepreneurs, we assume that they might not need that, that positive feedback because they're trailblazing and doing all this great work. So taking away that element that, you know, they need that encouragement just as much as everybody else. This is really important to our, our entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. The difference that I saw when I would go to meetings in Canada, of course, you know, when I was doing iBionics, this very bold massive med tech project you know it was I, I would get reactions from people sometime which were what was really more about their own fear mm. and you have this projection thing that happens so when people are, have you in front of them if you're doing something bold sometimes they'll think oh wow mm -hmm. let me think about all the reasons why I wouldn't do it and they can put that on to you and you if you hear that a lot you know it, 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 it gets can weigh you skin. down yeah that it would start it's, to it's tiresome right? Being 
being founders and co-founders is it is very lonely and it does take a lot of courage and you need to hear reality i mean the best information you get are from people that are like down on the idea because it they, they share great insight and intelligence with you at the same time you need encouragement so the difference i saw when i would go to the states actually is i would have these big medtronics of the world come up and very openly have conversations about what my strategy was and I'd get it validated that that's how they do things and they think the same way. But also I, I had um, leaders of, of those massive companies come up and say, you know, you're the heroes, the entrepreneurs are the heroes. They're the ones that are bringing innovation to the table. Without the entrepreneurs, there, 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 is, an, there is no innovation, right? Uh, and also, you know, the difference I would see um, investors. Investors, I, I met a lot of investors that were very encouraging in Canada. And they said, this is really great. I'd love to be there, but it's like, it's too big. Uh, which is fair. They were right in their analysis. But, you know, in the States, it was like, here's my card, call me. Here's my card, call me. Here's my card, call me. And even if they didn't invest, it was the respect. So I know that Startup Canada, one of the things that that, um, that attracted me to Startup Canada was Victoria's vision to cultivate the spirit and culture of entrepreneurship in in Canada I think it's been a remarkable journey if you look at where we were at in 2012 and where we are today for startups it's really different and I think it's time to go to the next level and say Canada let's appreciate our business leaders mm -hmm. let's understand that you know they're not all there to steal your data there's a lot of entrepreneurs, most of our entrepreneurs and business leaders are doing good work and they're funding the rest of, of, of they're funding all of our social programs. That's where the money comes from. So they're not the bad guy. I, I think we need to, I think we need to do that. And I, I think we need to help our entrepreneurs be more confident. We also see investors sometimes want to come in and push out the CEO founder very early in the game. And what's Canada getting out of that? You know, why not bring up our leaders and, and grow them? Yeah. Not just shut them down and say you're not good enough yet. Can you be good enough? Mm -hmm. Can we can we develop people? Mm -hmm. and, and that goes for companies when they bring in kids right out of school. There's nothing that's more rewarding mm -hmm. to me than working with a young person who's got so much to offer. I just, so, you know, let's add to the confidence, you know, this culture of winning podiums it's not a bad thing. If it works for our, our hockey teams, it should work for our businesses. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so today, can you tell us a little bit more about the Canadian Advanced Technology Alliance, CATA, uh, and, and what the organization does and its sort of mission? Sure. Uh, so CATA was established, well, it was conceived almost 50 years ago, and it was established 41 years ago. And um, it's a very interesting organization. You know, since I took the helm in August of this year, I've spoken to over 200 people. And there's a, a real varied sort of way people look at CATA, but some people consider it an institution. And they feel passionately about the fact that CATA was there when technology business was small, mm. and there were not very many. And it was a way for people to sort of band together and be bigger. 
And uh, CATA was um, known as the one voice for Canadian technology business. Mm. And also, um, you know, they were about helping Canada be more competitive place for our technology business to thrive. And so with, you know, you've heard me talk about curiosity and blank slates. And I, whenever I, I, I come into a new role, I always boil everything down to first principles and start with a blank slate and try to push all what I know outside and just think about what should CATA be forward. So uh, CATA was, um, had, a, had an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, had a leader, uh, John Reed, who, mm-hmm. who ran the organization for 31 years. And he was masterful. Uh, he was a policy advocacy master. He did great things to help Canadian technology entrepreneurs and business to thrive. And I want to just step back and say, okay, that's great, but what should CATA be for 2020 to 2030, mm-hmm. right? So let's not even think about legacy. Let's not think about, we're going to pull that back into the picture, but just look at what is the landscape like now and where can we help? So one, if we look at the competitive landscape for technology business in Canada, we can say there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, there's, there's obstacles in the way. There's things that we can celebrate. There's um, strategic advantage that we can leverage more. And there's a lot of people working in the nonprofit space. So the first thing that I wanted to do was to make sure that I deliver something that's relevant, important, measurable, that, that is going to move, is going to be moving the bar. And at the same time, I don't want to eat anybody else's lunch, so to speak. So if I look at all the nonprofits in in Canada that are contributing to a digital economy or entrepreneurship, fantastic. I want to support that, right? And there's some things that are very unique to saying, okay, we're we're working for and on behalf of and serving the Canadian technology business. And at the same time, so if we if we step back where I saw the place for us to play and the biggest difference that we can make is on that. So if you, well, if you, if you envision, so what is innovation, right? What is innovation to you? What is innovation Kayla? to me? Oh, you're turning the, the interview over to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a conversation, I mean, right? It's a podcast. Me, it's so. really just thinking differently and solving a business problem or solving or finding a solution to something. Um, trying to figure out a way to say it without the, using the word innovation, yeah. <laughs> um, but in a creative, yeah. um, forward thinking and um, uh, sort of results oriented way, I guess that I that's how I see that. I love that because, you know, technology mm. does not have ownership mm-hmm. on innovation, first of all. So the innovation is like this journey, right? So we can do things that are innovative along every increment of that journey. And at the same time, if I develop the most amazing, newest, greatest invention using technology nobody thought of, and if it doesn't either contribute to somebody else creating something, or if it doesn't contribute to people actually being able to use that, mm-hmm. you know, then was it innovation mm-hmm. or just was an idea that, that died on the vine, so to speak? So, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and you didn't hear it, did it happen kind of thing. So when we look at all these beautiful 
wonderful innovation mm-hmm. that happens in Canada. Think about the, the, the level of our, of our people, the spirit of entrepreneurship, that culture of startup, you know, it's there. We've got educated people that are starting. But if we're not mm-hmm. getting, if, if, that, if those ideas and those innovations aren't meeting their full potential, then it's not full, we, we've not fully innovated. So if I, I, I go back and I, I really draw upon my experience as an entrepreneur, I went through, I, you know, I stepped into something really challenging. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, but I've done it very differently. Mm-hmm. My first journey in entrepreneurship was in the Middle East with, uh, within, with a place where there was no ecosystem. And I bootstrapped a very successful company and it, it, it wasn't, you know, I created titles and things that could have gone around the world and been valuable, and, and we did innovate. And then when I came to Canada, I, I w- jumped into something that, you know, was going to require $150 million to get to market. Very different way of, of, of having to approach that. So I had lots of gaps and unknowns uh, that, I, that I needed to tap into. I needed help. I went through a number of accelerators, and I think there's value in accelerators, and I also saw a very different level of, of value when I compared the Canadian accelerators to the American accelerators. So through the Canadian Trade uh, Service, yeah, I did two CTAs, one a Canadian Technology um, Accelerator, one in Boston and one in San Francisco, and we were invited into, into Chicago, and we were talking to them. A great service, by the way. I recommend it. You don't have to be in the accelerator to benefit from our, our, our trade offices. Um, but the, the experience and the depth of experience and the commercial savviness of our American accelerators are just bar none. And I think generally speaking, you know, there's no shame in being bold and going for it and doing the deals and selling. Right? There's no shame in it at all. And I, I think we use a bit of a culture shift here in Canada. I think we need to appreciate those people that are going for the podium. I think we need to embrace embrace that. So if, if we look at that spirit of innovation and that kind of innovation agenda um, and looking at other leaders globally that are doing this exceptionally well and, and with that right. intention to bring it back to Canada, um, how do you see the role of women um, and women entrepreneurs in on the, innovative, on the innovative agenda? So what role do you see women playing um, in, in bringing Canada as a, a leader in this space? Well, I, you know, I've been around for a while. I've worked with a lot of women, mm. and I I believe that we're exceptional entrepreneurs. Agreed. Agreed. I don't think that <laughs> women as leaders should be the exception. Mm-hmm. I think we should be celebrating the exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get away from the tokenism. I just I, I you know there's just so I I, I shifted. I, I went into entrepreneurship. What motivated me there was my fascination with human behavior. Mm. So I you know. Technology is challenging, but it's like zeros and ones. You know, you can you can figure out the technology. It's hard. It's challenging, but people are just immeasurably challenging. Like, figure mm-hmm. them out, right? Mm-hmm. So this was the um, this was what drew me to to business. And uh, not to say um, not to be too generalistic, but you know, women just bring a different approach 
And my, you know, my company I had in the Middle East, 12 people working for me directly from nine different countries. Um, and at one point I had all women there and I had to change that because I didn't have enough diversity. It's an unusual kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the value is just the multipliers by having different thought processes and people attuned to different, different things. And, and women, and we know how to organize, right? We know how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. We know how to lead. We're, we're starting to see a, a greater appreciation for what the world thinks is feminine leadership. It's actually human leadership. So I think we all have things to learn from each other, right? So if you, you mix it up, it's, it's only better. Yeah, I love that. Human leadership as opposed to just bringing sort of a, quote, feminine touch to it or a more emotional side of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just human. You know, um, you know, my early days in the military, I always had this, like, I always had this lineup of, of, of young, young men wanting to come and talk to me about whatever was going on in their life for some guidance because they, they knew I would listen and they were more open to talking to me. There's just, there's just so much there. We, we all have uh, strengths. We all can learn from one another. And I think women are just great entrepreneurs. Agreed. And so we didn't really touch on this earlier, but your military career. So how was that transition from uh, that kind of origin for yourself into your entrepreneurial journey? What um, what was challenging? What was uh, exciting? What did you oh, learn? Oh, oh <laughs> I like had, I had the big when when we talk about leadership. So, you know, I, I was in an organization where people are trained, they're self-motivated, there's a whole system there to motivate them. You kind of step in and if you're making good decisions and you're good to people, you know, you're going to be appreciated. Mm. It's going to work as opposed to, you know, I started a business in um, in a place where I hired off the local market, couldn't find necessarily the skill sets I was looking for. I hired on aptitude and I developed people and you know, nine different countries, people from nine different countries had very different expectations of what I should be as a leader. And I, I kind of tripped and fell on my face because it took me some time to figure out the culture mm-hmm. piece. So it was like, okay, it was very, it was very humbling. And I had to start over again from how I approached leadership. And, and that, that's been immensely valuable mm-hmm. to me. I like that. Yeah, that you kind of almost need to unplug yourself when you are joining into a, a new job or a new entrepreneurial venture. Essentially, when you are taking on a new role in leadership or going down into a different um, avenue, that assessment of your abilities and, and especially when you're dealing in so many different cultural well, settings. Well, right. Oh, wow. So one, one thing that they, you know, one thing that they teach us in the military is that leadership is situational. So, you know, if you're doing, if you're, if you're brainstorming a new strategy, conversation's going to be very different than, uh, hey, uh, we got to go out and like, we're under fire. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not going to be any conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's going to be do this go, now. Go Listen. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and, and the other thing that I learned, and I think it's, it still applies today, it applies to our customers, our clients, our community. Uh, the people we leave and lead in various different ways is know your people. Mm. Like, w- what motivates them? What do they care about? Under what circumstances do they work best in? Mm. So when we when we speak about you know this brings me to in, in, in an inclusive style of leadership. You know, this isn't really about hey, make sure that all these people that you know maybe look different or or have different come from different cultures. 
that they're heard and that they're participating, this really at, at, at the very core level, an inclusive leadership style is just the way leadership's supposed to be mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. That's just called good, good leadership, leadership mm-hmm. right? As opposed to specifically inclusive yeah. leadership. Okay, so with your work with CATA, um, are there uh, plans for 2020 that you're looking forward to? What's sort of on the horizon for you? Yeah, so when we stepped back and we looked at the, the blank, the blank map the blank piece of paper and um, we so what we decided is that we should be playing in the space of of growth companies so we look at startup canada and 150 in incubators and accelerators in canada are doing a really good job of taking taking care of those i'm entering i'm entering the market i'm going to start something then we when we look at um, uh, jim basili is running the Canadian Innovation uh, Council. And when we look at that, you know, he's got the 150 top rocket ships that are that are soaring and, and, and going going up there. ITAC, now Tech Nation, they look after the larger companies that are more coming into the established. So the established telecoms and then also those those businesses that move into Canada like Google, et cetera, the big mm-hmm. the big players big and they players. work with the government. So we see that there's a place where we can we can play on that in if we look at that innovation continuum and we're looking at the commercial side of that so how can we help Canadian businesses do more business right how can we get them in 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 connecting with and networked with and in front of more customers around the world Um, interestingly um, in my early days in CATA you know trying to find find my find my way I was looking at, okay, what is it about the United States and what is it about uh, Israel that make them really great innovators? So Israel is a non-market market, right? They don't, they don't have a massive, they're not massive consumers. And so what they've done is their government has really embraced their entrepreneurs and they buy from them. So by buying from their entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs are getting experience and how to deal with sophisticated customers. And they're also getting business so they, they can demonstrate and validate and get that market product fit down and raise more money. And then in, can- in, in the United States, they have something called uh, you know business roundtables, and they they have a hundred leading entrepreneurs that sit down with White House officials on a regular basis. So when we talk about advocacy and, and pushing forward, so just like put again, let's go back to that human side of things. If I'm um, you know if I'm in the public service and I'm having to make a big decision about innovation and I'm listening to this group or that group or another group and they have these signatures they have these people behind them but I don't understand the issues then how am I going to make informed decisions so I think we need to work together to help understand one another so do we all understand how the government works and what they need from us and look at the benefit of of the government working more closely with our 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 canadian and and this is an old story right it's not a new story but i think those are really important and um you know then then we have all of those things around commercialization and obstacles that we need to get out of the way you know canada is um very overly regulated country you know, there's there are real obstacles there that we need to deal with. It, are our programs and tax incentives set up in a way that they're actually helping on the commercial side, 
right? So what's the return on investment for all this money that the government is putting into innovation? So we want to look at that and say, can that be put to better use? Are we getting a return on investment for that? So currently, there's sort of uh, the government has looked at, you know, shred, 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 not shred, right? So um, what should that look like? You know, if you go, if you, so if you're in a, in a young company and you're looking for financing grants, so grants from the government are very important because they validate. Uh, but typically speaking, all of that money is going for our engineers. There's, there's no, there's very little money that's going into developing and mastering those commercial, those commercial skills. So that's part in part, you know, reason why we get to, okay, there's funding and then, you know, the CEO's out, right? Let's develop, let's appreciate and develop that on that innovation continuum. If you don't get to market, then it's not really innovation. And then the other piece of that, when we go back to jobs, if, you know, a majority of our, our businesses are small, how many of those companies actually have capacity to train our new grads? So where do our new graduates coming out of STEM with all these skills that we're looking for, where do they go? If there's not jobs here, then they leave and and you know, with the, so there's gaps in there that that we think that we can we can address, and there's some very practical um, services that we can deliver as well. And I love that entrepreneurial mindset, especially looking at uh, you know recent grads coming out in, in STEM or whatever other um, education background that entrepreneurship should be a viable career option for everybody. That if we have that sort of mindset built in um, in you know in youth, that that I see being an interesting space for Startup Canada to develop uh, over the next couple of years. I think that anybody who's who's experienced, I could, I just think. So you think about your university degree, and then you think, okay, if I take a couple of years and work in entrepreneurship, what's the value of that to a business where I go and work later? And the other thing is, is that um, you know we need bigger companies mm-hmm. so that we can actually put our new grads to work as well. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, and find these- those mentorship opportunities that they're learning on the ground immediately right after school, um, developing skill sets and then... Pay back their student them. loans. Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. Um, my son recently went back to school and he decided for whatever reason he wanted to go and do, you know, stock shelves or whatever in, in Loblaws. I'm like, okay, go ahead, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and um, he, he figured out, okay, that's really boring. I can't do that for too long. Yes, mm-hmm. I get it. But when he left, he said, oh, he said, Mom, you know, like I had no idea. The guy that worked with me, like he's got a master's in engineering and the guy in Derry is doing his PhD in neuroscience. Wow. And then you hear everybody complaining about talent. So there's certainly mm-hmm. disconnects there. Untapped potential. And it's, it's kind of sad, mm. you know. Yeah, well, and I think there are definitely areas that we can all improve on and um, and in solving that problem in some ways. Um, so that, I think we all have our work well, cut out yeah, for us. Yeah, I, I think when you're really super small company, a, a lot of, what I've heard a lot of people, well, some people don't have the aptitude to develop and train a new person, mm. but it also takes a commitment. It does, right? Yeah. It's um, it's an investment. Mm. And, and a worthwhile one if it's done oh, correctly. Like I th- yeah, it's I my think favorite it's, thing. Yeah. It's my <laughs> favorite thing, right? So because you, you, you take somebody with all of this potential and what they're missing is confidence. Mm. And so we, we have a confidence gap all the way across that continuum because Canadians are actually freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. 
we rock and we don't sometimes know it, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, especially in the women entrepreneurship mm-hmm. sort of space. Ah, uh, the, the women entrepreneurs, you know, we, you know, women get get uh, people go, oh, they're not confident. There's a reason why. Mm. There's a reason why if, you know, your whole life when you're trying to do something, there's somebody there around the corner telling you why you're not good enough and why it shouldn't be you, mm-hmm. that starts wearing on you. That's why we have to do more to like unwind that. Completely agreed. Yeah. Great. So to wrap up, I'm, I'm curious just hearing a little bit about um, your mantras. So the art of the possible and solve for human. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. So solve for human really goes right back to what motivated me to go into entrepreneurship. And especially in tech, I think sometimes the human piece is missed. We look at you know, developing all of the genius that had to go into developing a system to create a bonic retina and the last thing that we're on you know the 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 innovators and the techies mind is that this is there's a human being on the other end of that right we're going to do this short simple surgery but what's the experience of the human being and what's happening when we send those signals into the brain how does the human brain what can we what can we leverage about how the human brain works? So there's actually mm-hmm. some, I mean, it might sound like a terrible word, but there's some hacks about how the brain processes different visual stimuli. So let's think about that. So, and at the same time, you know, what, how do we make this as seamless and, and easy for a human? So everything at the end of the day, unless you're, you know, if you're writing a code that's going to help another machine do something easily, okay, maybe there's an efficiency there. It's not really about human. But what motivates me is solving for human because there's so much that we can do. And, And the art of the possible, I don't know where that came from. It's just a belief that I have that almost anything is possible with time and money. And time and money isn't always abundant. That is a that is a a belief uh, a belief that I have. Mm, I love that. So I think that's maybe a great takeaway for our listeners to have today with those two mantras. Um, So thank you so much for joining us on the Thrive Podcast. What a great conversation! Thank you so much, and congratulations on your work here at Startup Canada. We look forward to collaborating with you moving forward. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Matthew Curtis and plug in to the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.